0: Welcome to episode 13 of 360 Conversations. Today I'm joined by Elisabetta Franzoso. Elisabetta is a qualified life coach with over 15 years' experience. She has a master's in counseling, diploma in psychology, and gestate therapy. She is also a speaker, trainer, published author, and social activist. Elisabetta's skill and experience is vast. In this conversation, we talk about trauma and self-sabotage, what it is, how it shows up and its impact. Elisabetta and I share deeply in this episode, and I have an intense revelation about how my self-sabotage manifests itself in friendships this conversation was like therapy. I'd absolutely love to hear what you thought about this episode and would really appreciate you rating and reviewing this podcast as your feedback gives me food for thought and also helps to broaden my reach. Yep, those algorithms. Please do get in touch if there's a topic you'd like me to cover and if you have any recommendations for future guests. I hope this episode is useful to you. Today, I am joined by Elisabetta Franzoso, who is a very highly skilled and experienced coach. Um, She's also um, a counsellor, so she has the skills to fuse the two. Um, And she's got loads of accolades and she's had loads of really cool press. Um, And her area of work, I think, is quite broad, but all rooted in the same if that makes any sense um so it's a real pleasure to have somebody like Elizabeth on the show because i think that she's going to share some things that will be really supportive um but now i'm going to hand over to the lady herself morning Elizabeth. how are you
1: good morning Tamil. um i'm well and as i said a bit tired because uh just arrived from London and, uh, you know, landed here last night in Barcelona. We're very excited to be here with you and to be of any support or help to anyone who will listen to this podcast.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Um, <clears throat> before we go any further, please could you tell us a bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yes, and, and please tell me if uh, I need to stop at a certain point because the uh, I might say too much. Uh, Well, I am originally Italian, and I'm 56 in a month on the 28th of December. Uh, Proud of being that and uh, having the energy that I I feel uh, in my body, in my mind, in my heart, in in this period of life. I am divorced. Uh, I divorced, um, I separated seven years ago and divorced three, and I have a daughter of 26 uh, in London, and I live 20 four years in Southeast Asia. So when I was um, almost 30, I moved from my my Italy, my Italian country, and I went to live um, in Jakarta first, and then uh, it was Singapore. And it was supposed to be for only a few years, but eventually it turned to be the big change of my life. Wow. So when I was in Singapore, I, at the age of about 36, 37, I... I study again to study. I study again first to enter a journey of self self exploration, and eventually my life turned upside down. So I turned to be a life coach, a wellness coach, and also a counselor. First, I have a master in counseling, and as you said very well, I think you picture, you picture me very well. I my my approach is very broad. I can coach and counsel people on different areas of life. But I'm very rooted to the four dimension of who we are, the physical, the intellectual, the emotional, and the relational. Mm -hmm. So I always go back to this four dimension because I believe the awareness of this four dimension of ours is very important. So why I end up to be who I am, it all started because I became aware um, that I was a dysfunctional mother. That I was sabotaging myself all the time as a mother, as a wife, as a woman, as a friend, and also as a professional in my work. And so eventually I decided to yeah, surrender to the process uh, and, uh, and ask for help. And I, I strongly believe uh, we all have to once in ta- once upon a time to surrender and ask for help. So I went to see a counselor in Singapore. Uh, she was, and she's from New Zealand, I'm still in touch with her, she was, uh, you know, really uh, the foundation of my transformation, and then from there, I eventually entered the world of um, going back to study, because I was supposed, to, I was I was told that, um, you know, I could be really someone who could support many others. At the, at the time, I was doubting myself, I didn't have much self-esteem and much self-confidence, but... Here I am and this is what I'm doing now. So I started to study at the time. I started to enter the work uh, the world of work. in 2001 I started my, my company in Singapore, inside out you coaching and training. So I'm also a trainer. I train organization, organizational group uh, in um, communication skills, uh, how to communicate with yourself and with others, which is uh, very much into self-leadership. And um, and then in 2008, I published my first book. I say first because there is a second one on, on the go. Um, I hope very soon out. And the title of the book is uh, Stella's Man Gets a Group Back. And in that book, which is not supposed to be a corporate book, because everybody was saying, Why don't you write a corporate book? You're in corporate, Elisabetta, you're a coach and you're training. And I said, No, I want to write a book of responsibility. A mm-hmm. book that. Um, Talks about where I was, where I am, and how and what I did to be where I am.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I display my complete life, <laughs> and I and I and I explain um, the dysfunctional place where I was, the self-sabotaging place where I was, and where I was able to come through a journey that I started when I was 37 and is still not finished because I'm still continuing.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. wow, wow, wow that's that's a lot. Firstly, I know you do it anyway, but thank you for beginning in such an open and beautifully vulnerable way. I thank think you. that um when you're at the beginning of, I guess, um, next level adult self-discovery, some of the truths about ourselves are really quite difficult to swallow mm. and if you're not if you're not doing work to make yourself more aware in a way that's kind and supportive you can just try to bury these things away and the fact that you said that um you were self sabotaging as a mother as a friend in other areas and um that you were a dysfunctional mother um i have to thank you for because a just thank you full stop. And B, because whenever I've shared a podcast episode and I have a mother as the guest and she shares her full expression of herself, which includes the difficulties they've experienced in mothering, I get messages and emails of people saying that they were grateful that they were able to hear that it's made them feel better and I think that it's really important for us to dispel this notion that if you're a mother you have to be this I don't know ethereal angelic type feature that absolutely (laughs) adores absolutely everything about mothering because that's just not true. No it's not
1: true no it's not true and that and I'm very happy because uh, I see the results in, you know, in my relationship with my daughter. I just left London where my daughter is and we had a very good time. And it doesn't mean that it's always a perfect time as well also yeah. with our children. We had some kind of conflict this time because uh, she's pursuing um, her dream and her, um, how can I say, and, yeah, her, her project of work in future. And... Um, I see something, <laughs> and uh, of course I see, but as a mother, and as also a protective uh, element around her. And uh, I know that my role is not to stop her or to limit her. My role is also to hold on my suffering <laughs> yes. and and stay with that, my discomfort, and stay with that and see her trying and experiencing, elaborating, and in the same time, um, Being able to set up my boundaries as a mom Mm -hmm. and say, yes, I agree with that. No, I don't agree with that. Um, I respect you. And I also ask for respect. Yes. So all that I did in my journey brought me to be a very imbalanced. I would say really whole today. You know, we talk a lot about holistic uh, wholeness, uh, but sometimes we know very little about that. Yeah. So I was able to build up that, that part of me that went lost when I was a child, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that most of us, you know, let go when we are children because there is a, <laughs> no way that we have a perfect childhood as well. Yeah. In some way, some people more, some people less. We go through this time where we have to lose pieces of ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And uh, today, with this, um, you know, new language, new positive uh, Um, full um, of new things in my luggage, I face the world and also the relationship with myself, with my daughter, with my ex-husband and with my friends and uh, people around.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Just um, on Saturday, I hosted an event with my friend Leah, which was about... um, legacy and uh motherhood. It was in honour of Michelle Obama and her new book Becoming. And um one of the ladies on the panel, Jessica Huey, was talking about um motherhood. Legacy and self-definition extending to accepting that her daughter has agency to make her own choices. So um, she was talking about paying for her daughter to go to private school. Her daughter wanted to go to um, to study law in university, they had been to universities to have a look, and then her daughter said, Actually, Mum, I've got something to tell you. I don't want to pursue this, I want to be a model. And Jessica said the real test of her mother motherhood came when she had to suck up, I guess, what I think. Well, I'm speaking from myself her her dreams as a mother for her daughter and embrace her daughter's dreams and uh, my friend Leah looked at me because I have continuously said I don't care what my daughter goes to university to study she has to go to university and I joke and say she could go to university to learn how to paint your little toenail she has to go um and when I heard that it made me think I know for sure that that is part of me projecting my own stuff onto my daughter because I didn't finish university and had to uh, go on to do further study when I was older, um, when I chose to. Um, But it made me think, all this stuff that I'm talking about, all this stuff that I'm saying about embracing your wholeness, about self-definition, the real test, in quotation marks, of me honouring that, Is for me to accept that my daughter's life is her own. It's not an extension of me or an opportunity for me to right my wrongs. (laughs) In inverted commas again, wrongs. Because what is wrong? What is right? But yeah, man, that's that's big
1: for me anyway. Absolutely, is is one of the biggest things that nobody teaches us. You know, nobody says, uh, well, you have to let your daughter fly or your son fly when it comes a time. And that is when many women at the age of 48 to 50, like me, you know, yeah. when when they have the daughter or the son leaving home um, and maybe not following what they want them <laughs> to follow, they eventually crash down or they enter depression or they enter middle life crisis because eventually they, they would like to keep the control on going on the children. But especially today in this new society where children, you know, just fly away. They go somewhere else. It was different in my time. at my mm-hmm. time, uh, well, I, I used to go uh, 70 kilometers away from home to, to do my university. And every weekend I was home. Mm-hmm. And I was, oh, big stuff for my mom. <laughs> Back now, I was in for My daughter flew to to London. She's been in London seven years now, pursuing her career in uh, music. Mm-hmm. So as you know, it's not one of the <laughs> most simple career.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: for me as a coach, as well. You know, I have a daughter saying all the time, Mom, you're a coach, eh? and you cannot stop me in this because you <laughs> know, you talk your talk. So, very, very
0: interesting topic. It also. is, it is. Um, yes. before I head into the main topic, I would like to discuss with you when I was looking at your um website you talked about um five rhythms dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that yeah. was really interesting for me. Um I, I watched a YouTube video where somebody was explaining and I chuckled to myself because I use dance to ah. get out of my head and into my body. Yeah. Um, beautiful. But I think that five rhythms is a bit different to dancing to nineties hip hop in your kitchen. Could oh, you yeah. please <laughs> explain what it is? And um, how it can be used? Oh, of course. I,
1: I'll um, I'll start with a little bit of introduction because I think it could be useful. I had a dream as a child to become a ballerina, and I couldn't. So I don't go into details. People can read in my book if they want. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't. That dream was shut down when I was eight, and I had to play piano instead. So when I reached my thirty-eight, yeah, thirty-eight, thirty-nine, and I was already on my path of uh, going back to study. I knew that I wanted to put into my psychological background also um, something that had to do with the body. That was not purely yoga, for example. I studied yoga in India, but I wanted something that could take me back to dance. And I knew at 40, I couldn't be a dancer anymore. <laughs> I mean, a ballerina. Mm-hmm. So I started to search. We are talking about um, 16 years ago, more mm-hmm. or less. And at that time, there was no much uh, internet, there was no Facebook, you couldn't connect so easily as today. Yeah. But someone, a synchronicity, took me, put me in touch with this Gabriel Roth in the States, in San Francisco, Mel Valley. And, you know, straight away, I organized to be Mel Valley for the first workshop with her. She was at that age, at that time, 62. And she now, she, she passed away, unfortunately, a few years ago, at the age of 75 plus. And she was, to me, amazing because she showed me that I could dance even at the age of 40. Mm-hmm. But in a different way, we know choreography. And overall, getting in touch with what is her philosophy of life and what she promoted all over the world globally. So also in London, you have groups of five rhythms if you want to join them. that mm-hmm. is uh, you know, we have all we have five rhythms in us. And one is the flowing, the staccato, the chaos, the stillness, the playfulness, and uh, the lyrics, and the the stillness, sorry. And uh, unfortunately, again, going back to what we were saying, you know, while we grow up, we start losing parts of us. We start shutting down also rhythm. And so eventually we end up building and growing into mature adults with two major rhythms, So, for me, it was the staccato and the chaos, Mm -hmm. right? And so, we used to live life according to those two rhythms only, but we have five. So, the five rhythms help you, put you in touch with all the rhythms, uh, and it gives you a practice that also you can do at home, because I practice that at home, uh, like you said, in the kitchen or in the morning (laughs) after my mindfulness, you know, I start maybe five music, or sometimes I start... Just two music in one rhythm that I feel that morning I need to awaken up. Mm-hmm. All right, so a real whole life is lived when we can live and we can express ourselves in the full five rhythms. Mm-hmm. When we live life in two rhythms, like I was staccato ch- action, you know, doer and chaos, you know, creativity. I'm very creative. Mm-hmm. We limit ourselves, and I, I'm sure you can understand the reason.
0: Mm-hmm, 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 absolutely. So,
1: so, I keep on uh, practicing since uh, you know in 2019, 1999, I met her in uh, San Francisco, mm-hmm. then I went to New York, and then in 2000, I had seven weeks in San Francisco with her, and another 80 people from all over the world dancing and being a huge tribe uh, expressing the fire rhythms. Uh, in Mill Valley and it was an amazing major uh, experience that I'm bringing with me, I'm taking with me and I'm practicing and I'm promoting also in my work so even with my client, I tell them if you don't do sport, if you don't run if you don't do gym, if you don't do yoga or if you do also that I do all of these mm-hmm. <laughs> enter the rhythm of uh, you know Gabriel Roth, or also other school of movement because eventually also um elaborated and experienced other kind of um school of movement like Rio Bierto or like Biodance uh, which are all uh, you know schools that teach you that movements without choreography and free expression can put you in touch with your emotional world with your mental world yeah and you to free yourself and to be whole
0: I really like that it sounds really really beautiful and it sounds um I know that there are some people when I talk about dancing they say oh I can't dance or they feel really self-conscious but I think that um because it's something that you can do on your own um it's a really beautiful non-combative way of being in touch with your whole self yeah
1: I'm, yeah
0: I'm and give not, it a go.
1: Everybody, not everybody likes yoga for you. I know in, in London now yoga is becoming the thing every 200 meters I see a yoga studio and mm-hmm. not only all- in london also in italy you know I, I still travel and work in italy in singapore i go back to singapore twice a year so yoga is becoming the thing which is fantastic i study yoga in india in trivandrum in an ashram and um, yoga is helping you to unify mind and body this mm-hmm. is the meaning of yoga. but um moving the body is something different so we can really see them complementing yeah. So waking up in the morning and setting up a music with drums uh, or not even music, just sometimes a, a song, a lyric, mm-hmm. that you know, puts you into the rhythm of, uh, of the day and maybe also make you understand, well, today I, I feel like going something, you know, maybe slower. Maybe sometimes I feel like just sitting down and listening to some music and having just small parts of my body moving mm-hmm. and not having a full movement, a full blast mm-hmm. of and as you said, you don't have to go to the gym, you don't have, you can learn the basic. I coach people also around this area because I coach people on the physical, you know, the, mm-hmm. the body dimension, And I can give tips about this, you know, the music that they can use. Uh, and then they start using their music as well and uh, how they can do that. Yes, it's, a, it's something that you can do at home at yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, oh, uh, one more thing before we delve into our topic. You are a qualified coach and counsellor. You've got a master's in counselling. Yeah. What are the types of issues that require counselling rather than coaching? Okay. Uh, well, if, if
1: uh, people that are listening want, they can go to so my web and they found an article, a recent article, I think it was in August or July, in my blog site, uh, where I really explain fully the difference between the two mm-hmm. um, Well to be a counselor counseling is much a I wouldn't say deeper because if I say deeper is is judgmental. It's like saying coaching is not deeper yeah but counseling is looking more at emotional blockages that can come from the past and you need a psychological background. it could be um, a degree in psychology or like I did eventually you know i master in counseling specifically. Uh, there is a psychotherapy, there is counseling, so that many people get confused about this too as well. So the blog can help people to understand mm-hmm. if they watch it. Psychotherapy is long-term, counseling is short-term, and um, it could be counseling for really dysfunctional people like, you know, schizophrenia or, you know, bipolar, mm-hmm. or be counseling for reasons that are really very common, for example, couple counseling, you know, I. I have difficulty of communication with my uh, with my boyfriend or with my husband, or parenting skill. And, you know, you can counsel people of some parenting skill because you know if you look at what happened to me, I come from a very dysfunctional background, and so I didn't know how to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before coaching myself into parenting skill, I had to r- really to go and dig into my hurt mm-hmm. and. So digs into hurts, into something that, you know, happened long time before, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes not a long time before, but I still need to process emotionally. Mm-hmm. Coaching is present, future, goals, uh, objective, strategy, planning. Uh, and I am happy to have the two qualifications because
0: uh,
1: when I coach, I love coaching. I'm very much professional and inspirational, I believe. But sometimes clients get blocked and they cannot really reach their goal because there is some blockage there. And if you're not someone who knows about counseling, who has a psychological background on a deep level, then, uh, you know, you, you cannot really help the client to move on because eventually the client has to go and see and spend some time in what happened in the past that is still sabotaging. So we go back to the topic of sabotaging me into my plan for the future. Coach mm-hmm. so has to be, uh, I'm saying that today there are more and more coaches, there are school of coaches, specifically coaching, but there are more and more coaches that prepare themselves into something deeper that is also counseling or studying psychology because they know this can give them other skills to support a client, to reach the goal without being stuck in self-sabotaging because mm-hmm. some sabotage enter and we keep on saying i've got my go but i cannot go there i keep on doing the same choices i keep on doing the same uh, uh, the same stuff you yeah. know
0: yeah well yeah. that that takes us very nicely into the topic of self sabotage um, <laughs> so i wanted to talk to you about self sabotage because um, somebody with the breadth... give me a moment, me a moment. Mm-hmm. can i, I I'm, I'm losing battery okay to put the
1: battery yeah absolutely <laughs> I'm so sorry no problem um, Okay I just realized that that my okay then
0: my plant was unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> okay, have you got a drink and everything are you
1: I'm fine okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just okay. going to Thank take you. um Thank you family. and you can leave this on your it doesn't't doesn't matter you know <laughs> it's you real take, life. yeah, it's real life
0: exactly. <laughs> so,
1: you And I would say, oh, my God, I've got only 7% battery, I better. And then I turned on and it was unplugged. Okay.
0: Yes, please, because we, we want to have full battery power for this topic. Um, so because of the breadth and depth of your skill set, I thought a conversation about self-sabotage with you would be really good, um, really meaningful. So I the other day I put on Instagram a post where, um, so in my latest collection of clothing, I modelled, um, the clothes and, um, I really struggled to get to that point because there are loads of conversations I've had with myself, very judgmental conversations I've had with myself, um, about this sort of thing. Um, and then I realised it was self-sabotage. And so I did the post, put it on Instagram with the picture and a number of people messaged me about self-sabotage. Then because I was thinking about it and I was, it was like something happened and I was able to join the dots of work that I've done, things that I've experienced. Um, And I was doing a story because I was on my way somewhere and I was running late and I'm notorious for running late. And most of the time that I'm running late, there is no need for me to be late at all. And then I realised that running late is part of my toolkit of self-sabotage. And I was like, bloody hell, like, what? But like, oh my goodness. On one hand, I was like, gosh, it's only taken me 41 years to realise. And on the other half, I was like, well, I realise now I can do something about it. So, um... And then I read the dictionary um, explanation of self-sabotage and it had all these lovely things and it said to deliberately destroy and that stopped me in my tracks. So how do you describe what self-sabotage is? Mm, okay, <laughs> well,
1: I take a breath because this is a,
0: this
1: is a big topic. and. Thank you very much because uh, I speak and I'm interviewed by many sometimes and we never really, I never really touch this topic and this is really basic, really basic. Well, first of all, having a psychological background, I am aware that there is a conscious side of us and an unconscious side of us. So I think we should, uh, first of all, saying that there is a conscious self-sabotage mm-hmm. Which one that you, for example, in your case that is uh, running late is conscious for you. So it's already a conscious sabotage, which is already quite easy to target and to work with because it's an unconsciousness. But when it's unconscious, that is when we don't see that because unconscious means being blind to what is sabotaging inside of us and we don't know what it is and and not only what it is but also when it works when is that at, at, um, in in motion you know
0: I so, am nodding profusely
1: <laughs> first of all so I've, I'm trying to keep it simple because I know you know it could be um when, when we when we <laughs> when we are trained like I'm trained we, we might become a very uh, rich in our vocabulary and I want I love simplicity so I want to keep it simple and clear and mm-hmm. tell me you know. not so self-sabotage is when we keep on doing something consciously and unconsciously that keep us back, take us back uh, to destroy ourselves, to choose things, uh, to make choices uh, that eventually become damaging instead of contract- constructive for us. Mm. And this is uh, to be reconnected to something very Easy, but for many, not really clear. Self-esteem. Self-esteem and self-confidence. Okay? So, self-confidence comes later. Self-confidence is something that you build up already in teenager time. Mm -hmm. But self-esteem is something that you build up already from day one when you're born. And the thing is that you talk to people and you will have many people saying, oh, I've got a very good (laughs) self-esteem. And then you see them keeping on self-sabotaging themselves.
0: Oh, Elizabeth, Indeed.
1: There is a deep incongruence there. Because if I have a very, very good balanced self-esteem, I don't self-sabotage myself anymore. (laughs) Mm. That would be the congruency and and, and, uh, and so, taking people back to talk about self-esteem is difficult because uh, they push already the resistance and they say i'm I'm done, I'm okay with that. I have a good self- esteem, And especially young people today, you know, but also us when we were younger, <laughs> and you know we portray ourselves as superwoman, superman, especially when you're a young adolescent or a young adult. you don't like to see what is still to be worked there. there. You don't like to look at your what, what Carl Jung called the shadow. And even if I'm a coach and people think like, oh, coach don't talk about Carl Jung. I think Carl Jung was a fantastic.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: because he, he brings inside also spirituality, the collective consciousness. Yes. So Carl Jung says something that I wrote in my book and then I use in my speeches when I give talks. That is, when we are children, we all have to survive to something. It doesn't have to be domestic violence, like I had to go through myself. It could be a trauma of uh, losing a parent, of uh, having a divorce, or um, having a mother all the time sick in hospital and you not being able to be there for her, Mm -hmm. or it could be a trauma of... uh, you as a child being in, ch- in in hospital because you had a disease you know i wouldn't i would um i would invite people to search around the, the topic of trauma what is a trauma mm-hmm. in childhood it doesn't have to be my parent beat me up or my parent divorcing or you know my parent having violence between them or having an alcoholic father a trauma might be also a small thing that. Start chipping us in the sense that we start um, being touched by something, and we need to protect ourselves. So Jung mm-hmm. says, in childhood we build up layers of protection that help our core to remain intact, and so these layers serve to us as protection. They become a fortress, Jung says. But also they distance us from who we really are at the core. When we grow up, so when we enter mature time, we keep on entering thinking and feeling and believing that all that we needed to set around us as children to protect ourselves and to have a fortress, all that become a prison. Mm. <laughs> it's no more a fortress. It's no more there to protect us, but it's there to
0: sabotage us. Elizabeth, so I've thought about this. So when we think about trauma, people quite often think it's some massive, great big thing, like it was some horrendous abuse or something. But trauma yeah. comes in lots of different forms. So Absolutely. as you're speaking, there are some things that I've realized about the way I function as a friend. But you have just given me another layer. So in the beginning, you talked about sabotage as a friend, as well as other roles that you, you, you have yeah. in your life. So when I was um, in, in my primary school education, I went to a number of different schools. um so um my mum thought she was doing it for the best so I went to a private school at first my parents circumstances changed so um they couldn't afford for me to go there anymore then I went to a local comprehensive which was the total opposite of a private school um education um at the time we lived in Labyrinth Grove and there was a lot of issues about um like low socioeconomic stuff so the makeup of children that attended the school that I went to was very different from my private school experience I went from being in a classroom that had maybe 15 people to a classroom of 30 etc etc and then um and and i went from being in a school where i was the only black person in the lower school to oh, being wow. in a school that was um very multicultural and black people not really understanding me because i didn't sound like them and i didn't um And I didn't do things that they did or that they thought that I should do because I'm black. Um, And at that time, there were lots of issues about me being darker skinned and this, that and the other. So the friendships I made there were very superficial And I just did what I could to be able to have some friends. And I was a very insecure friend. So I drove people away because I was always checking that they still liked me. I had this conversation with my daughter when she first transitioned into secondary school um, in September. Then I went to other schools because we moved. And then I went to schools and my mum wasn't happy with them. So I then moved schools until she found a school that she was happy with. So in that process I've had I had lots of experiences of making the friends that I could make friends with rather than the friends that I was naturally drawn to, and friendships being severed. so I, I at the time I was a child, but as an adult, I realized that I viewed friendship as disposable. so I had one friend. I had, I had, you know, I was popular, people liked me, whatever else, but it was never deep. I had one deep friendship in junior school. Um, my friend Andrea, who I met when I was nine or 10, we're still very good friends to date. And then when I went to college in secondary school, my friendships weren't really real friendships at all. When I was 17, I met my best friends and I could never understand why they insisted on wanting to meet up regularly and I I will say my my truth is if they weren't the people they are we probably wouldn't I probably wouldn't be friends with them the way that I am now because they taught me how to be a long-term friend and I I would be so late for things all the time and they'd get really frustrated but they accept me as the whole person I am so they would make a big deal and I would then be quite aggressive about it like oh it's not a big deal it's not as if it's an exam why do I have to be there right on time so I would make it about them rather than me and as you've talked about self-sabotage I'm just connecting the dots. And I feel like that part of me that was used to friendships being disposable and therefore... Oh, I don't know. I'm I'm just going to say what I'm saying. And therefore not respecting all the facets that make up friendship. I feel like, not that I've been a rubbish friend, but I feel like, damn, there's chunks of friendship that I self-sabotaged. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and and I I see because I see you in front
1: of me that this topic is really touching you.
0: Yeah, it is. I feel <laughs> I feel like there are tears <laughs> bubbling up, but I'm not going to cry. But it's just yeah. like wow that, and I had never considered my childhood experience of having lots of different schools and different friendships as well, trauma, but well, it was.
1: That is a trauma. And being myself an expatriate, I see myself as an expatriate. I lived outside my country for many years. And I was with friends who were expatriates and lived three years in Singapore, four years in Kuala Lumpur, three years in Hong Kong, four in Tokyo. And I remember when I was starting to do my coaching and counseling in Singapore, because I studied there, having clients complaining about the anger of the children and then uh, understanding that the anger of the children uh, was due to the fact that they had to change every two, three, four years, a country, new school, new environment, new, new, new friendship. Especially when you change and they are between, you know, the 10 and 13, 14 years old and they have already consolidated their friendship. Yeah. They have to say, well, I have to go and leave because mom and dad decided so. This is a trauma. And yes, people don't consider that a trauma. Another kind of trauma allow me to to bring in is uh, you know something I can take an, an example of my life and I know other kinds of mine went through that I was uh, I was six alone in a friend house and uh, mum her mom was not there we were dancing <laughs> and I fell and I banged my head. Um, against the corner of the the central heating and uh, there was blood coming and mom was not around her mom was not around we were six years old so my mom was uh, downstairs 500 meters with her shop so i ran down from the fifth floor alone on the lift with all the blood coming Mm -hmm. and uh, i was looking for my mom was not there i rushed to the shop I went there in the shop. I told my mom, screaming and shouting, what was happening? My mom screamed and shouted at me because <laughs> she didn't understand what was happening. And I was even more scared. And then when she realized, she took me to the hospital straight away. And they gave me four stitches with wow. not making me any amnesia. Um, what? I said, what- yeah. So I still, I still, I remember my mother holding me and I still remember the pain. When I talk to you now, because I believe pain in childhood stay in our cellular level, mm-hmm. I still feel the tension. You see, my body tensing because I still feel the pain that, and the scream that I shouted. Mm. at that. So this is a trauma. It's the trauma. Yeah. <laughs> You know, not having mum around when something happens yeah. and uh, you are in trouble and you're just a child. And um, As I said, uh, learning about what is a trauma, small or big, it doesn't matter. And it depends also on the child.
0: Yeah,
1: Some children, uh, small traumas don't make any anything of anything, you yeah. know. But some others are more fragile inside. A small trauma can be very significant to set up this fortress you know, that we were talking about. Yes. So we build up the fortress, we lose contact with our center, and then we grow up and we start applying the same. So we we grown up as someone that we are not really who we portrayed outside in society. We are someone else.
0: My gosh, that mask, that damn mask.
1: Yeah, and and, and and so the work is about chipping down, you know, all the layers of the onion Yes. And when people say, Elizabeth, why are you still continuing? Why are you having a coach? Because I have my own coach. Yeah. Uh, and I say, and I'm still going for courses. I invest money, energy, time every year. Of course, it's also my work, my profession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My suggestion to everybody is, don't think that building self-awareness of yourself, getting to know yourself, getting to your groove, as I say, because this is the title of my first book, is about just fixing you up with certain session in counselling or coaching or a retreat or your yoga classes. Yeah, it's a continuous work of self-searching and learning and investing time and energy and money to get to know yourself Absolutely. inside and
0: out. Yeah, I think that um, I do think it's really, really important that we start to have a more nuanced and developed narrative, like day-to-day narrative about what trauma is, because I don't think many of us understand fully. So that description and my realisation, I hope it was helpful. And also the um, thing that you're saying about getting to know yourself I think that, gosh, for me anyway, it has been such a major key in terms of the way that I move within the world. And me having the realisation that I had just now, I'm very confident that I wouldn't have had that previously because I was so um, entrenched in earthly ego. Like my inner child would have been screaming and being defensive rather than being open um so yeah I think it's essential really
1: yeah and you know I was listening to your other podcast on Lenny's brother oh yeah and and uh, she said something very very important that I you know I would like to bring out here um she said "Isn't very important that we know our body yes And so I say, I add, it's very important that we know the four dimension of us. So body is one.
0: Yeah.
1: And the intellect is one. Our cognitive side is very important because it's where we have the self-judgment. So I was listening to other blog by Susie Asworth on judgment. Yes. So there's our cognitive side that is keeping on sabotaging us with negative thinking, with negative self-judgment, and judgment on others. Yes. And then it's very important that we get to know our emotional side, which is also part of our increasing our EQ, <laughs> you know, incorporate I talk about EQ, yeah. emotional distance. Yeah. If we don't know how we work, you know, inside and outside, and then in relationship, how eventually this one, two, three go out in relationship. I'm not talking about spirituality, I'm not really into that. Mm-hmm. I am a spiritual person, but my my since I want to addressed to a, a very uh, wide audience of people, if I go into spirituality, I would already cut off part yeah, <laughs> of yeah, that, yeah, yeah. so if people want to do some spiritual work in, in terms of purpose, I'm very happy to support women and men who are working on their purpose, mm-hmm. which is connected to you know, spirituality as yes, well, of yes, course,
0: yeah.
1: and it's so important that we understand that one, two, three dimensions eventually go out. And connect with the world, with other people that have the same dimension, one, two, three. This is what I'm talking about in the next book coming. Okay. You know, in the next few yeah. months. It's a very small booklet, different from the first one. Yeah. And hopefully it will be the base also of my future public talks uh, and uh, and uh, social work that I want to do. Because I'm very much into social activism as well. Yes. And I want to do that more and more part of my, my life because it's my call, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Mm-hmm. I people, sorry i just want to go back to the four dimensions so yeah. it's body intellect
1: body, intellect emotions
0: yeah you know and that so
1: the the physical dimension the emotional dimension the intellectual dimension the emotional dimension and the relational social dimension
0: uh uh-huh, that was the one i'm missing: the
1: relational social relations. yeah that's why i coach people in, in relationship as well yeah of, this is one of my you know and parenting skill is part of a uh, relational dimension you know i love coaching parents uh, and now i'm attracting also kinds that are younger and like recently i have a 16 years old girl who you know had really some kind of a uh, connection with me so i'm i'm kind of mentoring her you mm-hmm, know mentoring mm-hmm. new people new young people to Enter this world with the knowledge that is important to know yourself. Yes. Already when you're very young.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um so mm. with the uh self-sabotage <coughs> it yes. often happens um because you, you were talking about um Carl Jung and conscious and, and subconscious. So unconscious, subconscious and unconscious, because yes. subconscious is still it's still
1: there, right? It's like when you drive the car and you are singing and doing things with someone, but you're still driving. So it's still something that you... The unconscious is really something that we're not in touch with. So we need to bring what is the material of the unconscious up to the conscious. Mm-hmm. And this is what normally the work of the coach is not. Yes. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, the coach work on the conscious stuff.
0: Yes. The yeah.
1: counselor, the psychotherapist is working more on facilitating the unconscious stuff to pop up so that we can take care of that and then we can respond to that.
0: So bearing in mind that one of the things you highlighted is that um, self-sabotage is sort of implanted in self-esteem. Yeah. What what can we do to um, (coughs) disrupt that?
1: Well, first we I believe is all about recognition everything when we want to change when we want to expand more than changing change is always a very scary word mm-hmm. but so I like to use expanding I, I like the use of words you know empowering words mm-hmm. When I want to expand and I I need to recognize first so if I keep saying that my self-esteem is okay I will never do anything about that and I will keep on doing things to self-sabotage myself yeah so recognizing number one is uh, well maybe i have to go and look if my self-esteem is is really okay or if there is something that i have to do as a work there so recognition is first step major Mm -hmm. if we want to stay in denial then maybe it's because we're not ready to recognize and in that case uh, my role is not to push the client Mm -hmm you know, to see where client is. When you recognize, then you recognize, for example, that um, for me, I give you, maybe if we talk with example, it's easier for people to understand. Mm-hmm. For you, it was running late is one of your self ways. For me, doing, and I think this is very major for many and common to many doing more, doing, 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 doing more, I do this more, and I have to do, this, and I have to do that, and I have to do that, da, 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 because I'm a doer, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and so, with my doing, what I was doing, I was creating struggle, and more struggle in my life. I was distancing myself from my relationship with my ex-husband, which at that time it was my husband, who mm-hmm. <laughs> was the opposite of me. He was an undoer. He was, the, you know, mm-hmm. the example of, how I just sit down and I <laughs> be quiet here. <laughs> the opposite attract. So this doing that I model, because also we have to become aware that we model things from our parents. I model for my mom. Yeah. It was compulsive, compulsive. So no matter how much I was trying to do something less, it was coming back. It was coming back. So eventually I had to go and see what what happened in my childhood. That mm. eventually he's the trigger, the unconscious trigger that compulsively take me back yeah. to be a doer more and more and to do everything fast because there is not much time I have yeah. to do. Instead of saying more in that rhythm that Gabriel Roth told me, yeah. that it's uh, lyrical and stillness and flowing. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So um, I recognize that a part of me uh, was not so... Good in my own eyes. There was a part of me that hated myself. There was a lot of self-love. And that self-love is something that many of us don't want to see. And that's why we keep on saying that we we are okay with our self-esteem. But our self-esteem is not there really and truly if we first make sure that we really love ourselves and not hate ourselves. So Mm -hmm. we go back to the topic of Mm self-love. Mm-hmm. 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 So many of us hate themselves without knowing that. Actually, know makes sense to you. Yeah, is yeah, it does. A process, it's a journey. It's not a fix-up. You don't resolve this with a retreat like Offman. You know, I did Offman process. I'm an Offman teacher from the Italian Institute. Uh, there are other kind of retreats uh, that I know around the world. And I, I'm a supporter of the Offman process because it makes you work on 12... Uh, Uh, years of your you know childhood on a deep level Mm -hmm. and then people have to continue you know it's not only done like that exactly journey of peeling the onion again and going back to your core yes and destroying that that what that prison because it's about letting go of the prison at a certain point the prison that make us self-sabotage ourselves yeah. and then going back to build up a beautiful no more fortress we yeah. don't need fortress when we when we are my age we need just to be open and trust yeah. that you know we are yeah. here to share what yeah. we have with others.
0: absolutely and i think what you're saying about the fortress we often build it as protection but what we forget is you preventing people from coming in also means you're preventing yourself from coming out
1: Absolutely, there is a, there is a, a, a an Instagram uh, post that I sent yesterday on uh, you know how we build up walls uh, with people and we create that distance and sometimes we sometimes most of the time we blame others you know <laughs> I you abandoned me you abandon me you rejected me but we are ourself, uh, ourselves self abandoning ourselves self rejecting ourselves in this way you know creating this uh, wall this set of uh, wall that is no more. Wo- Functioning as a fortress but becomes a prison. Yeah. And and keep us back to the old thing that we're used to. I was used to struggle. You know, I saw struggle in my family. And I felt like the conviction that I create in my mind is life is struggle. So I have to recreate the struggle.
0: Yeah.
1: I saw a lot of anxiety in my family. My mother was anxious and was crashing down every now and then already very young. And so I had to recreate that. So I recreated the you know, things that take me, took me back to my anxiety issue, being anxious and then crashing down like my mom. Mm. How many of us can see by growing up, if they're able to see that we are exactly the photocopies of time? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we do consciously. When my daughter was born, I said with her on my belly, I will never do to her what my mother did to me. After one year, I started. To do exactly the same. I was not different. Maybe be less, yes. I was already more conscious. But, you know, I couldn't stop hitting and beating her. I couldn't stop verbally, emotionally mm, damaging her, abusing her. And eventually, when she was four, I I think I was blessed enough uh, to see that and clearly say, enough, I I need help. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that was also another way of sabotaging myself, of yeah. building up, again, a relationship with my daughter, exactly like my mother built up with me. You know, we never had a relationship. My mother and I was very difficult,
0: yeah.
1: On oh, recently. And, you know, the result of all my work, which I really support in anyone, is that my mother now, my mother and I now are getting closer. You know, new doors are opening. She's almost 18 January. We had a beautiful, first beautiful holiday together in September in Tuscany.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I feel that this is really the result of my commitment, willingness to shift and to be a catalyst of change for the entire family. Yeah, it's, it, it affected my daughter and it's affecting my mom. And I think slowly it's affecting my mom and her relationship with her mom who died already. But Silently, I see something on a spiritual level is happening also there.
0: And I think, you know, I'm really pleased that you shared that because I think that quite often we think of ageing as this place of you kind of like you arrive there and that's it. And my experience has been that there are more green shoots emerging now, maybe because I'm more open to it, maybe because I now fully understand I know everything and I know nothing um that I'm more open to seeing those things so it's really for me what you're saying my lesson is that it's really important to understand that nothing is written off
1: yeah <laughs> you're really right yeah. you said yeah you said it yeah,
0: yeah. so yeah. um Elisabetta there's way more that I I want to talk to you about but I think I'm gonna (laughs) I think I'm gonna have to later on when your book comes out have you back on um but I wanted to know and you know if you can answer it fantastic if you can't fine if there are any like if you've got three ways that you can suggest we can disrupt our self-sabotaging with kindness
1: well um as I said, when we recognize, that is, you know, if we don't recognize the self-sabotage, nothing else. Yes. So first, recognize it. When we recognize, we have to stop getting harsh on ourselves. We have to be grateful to be able to recognize and also to be grateful to that pattern that we recognize. Because that pattern can serve us to be the new person <laughs> that we need to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. So gratitude, so um, recognition,
0: yeah.
1: gratitude, saying instead of, oh, look at me, I'm doing always like that, oh, look at that, and blaming and going into self-criticism, self-judgment, no, 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 no. Just say, well, this served me up to today. This is a blessing in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you start saying that, and and you start saying thank you for that. I I'm thankful for that. Then already the world starts to open up. Even when I'm saying this to you now, I'm thinking about one of my pattern, and everything is you know is shaking also in my body, saying, well, this is what I really needed to be where I am today. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And now and now what? And now that I've taken responsibility because this is about taking responsibility, recognition. Gratitude.
0: Yeah.
1: taking responsibility that I'm now, now I can get an amount of my denial and I can enter the action. And the next step is go for coaching, counseling, retreat, uh, uh, moving your body, do small things, uh, you know, in the morning start doing some, you know, 10 minutes of slow down. For example, for me, all this doing was helped very much by my yoga practice and also by mindfulness practice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh so just small new changes doesn't have to be going for a treat seven days day to night. Yeah. But maybe listening a podcast every day that can enlarge your you know your expand your knowledge yeah. about yourself. Reading an a, a quote every morning after your mindfulness you know uh, so when you wash your, your or you prepare your coffee you can think about what you read mm-hmm. and it it. So
0: that's brilliant. Thank these
1: you. Enough small things. I yeah. think there's no small thing that everybody can do.
0: Exactly. So, excuse of money or time. Yeah. Is, uh, me taking the action. Yeah. No. Totally. And I think it's really important that we look at practical ways of integrating these things with our lives, rather than thinking, "Oh my goodness, it's another thing on the to-do list that I'm never going to get round to doing."
1: Yeah, and also is a is about giving priority, because uh, sometimes it's another thing of the list. No, no, this is the first thing, because this is about my well-being. Uh, buying uh, new stuff, going for shopping, going for a party, whatever, all is good, but, you know, this is the priority number one I came to understand. That w- was not for me, I tell you. Yeah. But priority is... It's me and my well-being. When I'm well and full and happy and excited, then I can go out and share and help others uh, and do many things.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, speaking of that kind of like morning practice, do you have any recommendations of books or further reading that um, listeners can buy, well, do, borrow to support?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Um, The Power of Now is a very well-known book. I like to talk about uh, books that are very well-known that teach you the importance of being here in the now. But also it's important to get to know our past. And contrary to many people that say that our past, you know, we just need to pass it over. Mm -hmm. No, our past is important because there is the root of our destructive behavior today. So it's not about staying in the past, living in the past, living in the past. It's about going the past, seeing, recognizing, processing, forgiving, letting go. Yeah. And then we set ourselves free. Yeah. So another book uh, that is a very old book uh, is the less um, the, the the road less traveled by Dr. Scott Peck, who is a psychiatrist or was because he, he passed away. Mm -hmm. And then there is another book that I love very much is Living, Loving, Learning uh, by Leonardo Buscaglia, who is Italian who migrates when he was three years old in Los Angeles and he was a professor at um, UCLA University. And then one day at 50 decided to take one year off, pack, go to Asia, learn about, you know, (laughs) uh, Asia cultures. And then come back and give to university students classes on love. Mm. <laughs> uh, the last two are not very, you know, popular because uh, you know there are so many other new books. Yeah. So I'm giving you two jewels of uh, uh, people that are already both died, but wrote beautiful things about self-love and love for others. And Dr. Uh, Scott Pack talks about, well, when we want really to heal, we need to take The Road Less Traveled. Mm-hmm. And also a book about love and spirituality, relationship is, a, is, is is beautiful. Whenever I give this to clients, they always come back and say, Elisabetta was a great
0: choice. Oh, wow. Okay. The Road Less Traveled. Yeah. Yeah. That, that will be on my everlasting book okay. list okay. okay so do you have anything coming up that listeners should know about any new services or <laughs> whatever
1: no it's uh, Christmas time and uh, I enjoy getting over a client uh, that wants to eventually evaluate what has been so far is the end of the year and uh, come with uh, you know an energy of uh, I want to enter the new for the new year so I yeah. am come client that wants to Start the new year with uh, goals, uh, ideas, because also I have my big goal, uh, and um, I'm very happy to support uh, people that, that want to enter this field. On my side, I want to tell clients that I'm uh, working on a project in London on the 24th of April. It will be a big party mm-hmm. <laughs> to promote self-awareness, <laughs> and um It will be a dinner, but a special dinner. And it will be not only London. In London, it will kick off uh, this, uh, you know, project of mine that I have uh, to create communities uh, and an event every year to raise money also, Mm -hmm. raise money for people, young people and retired people. I like to connect the dots between these two generations Mm -hmm. uh, that wants to do work on themselves, that wants to have some counseling, some coaching, Uh, They want to take part of the treat, but they don't have money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Still, I believe that this word of, uh, you know, uh, self-awareness, self-empowerment is still uh, something that is too much for
0: few people. Yeah, it can be quite elitist. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it becomes another way of, you know, it's another product on sales on the market. And my social activism is bringing me to really promote that self-awareness is useful for everybody. If you yeah. want really to wake in this world, we yeah. don't have a way to target that, you know, that kind of society. We have to go down yeah. and make this available for everybody. Everybody, yeah, yeah, 100%. So this, this party will, uh, will start kicking off the project that I have also to build a, a non-profit, but it will not be mine. It's okay. a creative collaborative project. So okay. anyone who wants to, want to take part to this project in April, Please be in touch with me and uh, we'll find a way to collaborate together uh, together in a creative way. I will be so happy.
0: Absolutely. I will make sure that um, when you have more information or if you have a link, let me know and I can add it into the show notes. Um, And where can people catch up with you? Where do you where's the best place?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, on WhatsApp, I'm very easily uh, reachable. So people can go on the website connect with an email to me and say I want to be in touch with you Elisabetta then I'll be in touch and give my handphone I travel a lot between Singapore and Europe as you know Asia and Europe mm-hmm. so i in touch it doesn't matter I, I've been uh, quite uh, uh, accustomed to, to doing this okay. so I, I push people online when I'm in London I meet this this time I meet I met some clients there mm-hmm. and if people want to come to Barcelona also I organize immersion um, weekends (laughs) during the weekend when you have bank holiday (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh, do you know two three days uh, with your life coach uh, and uh, we can go to the sea at the beach uh, we can visit so we we integrate culture visiting holiday with the coaching and um,
0: getting to yourself (laughs) wonderful and what's your instagram handle Elisabetta franzoso Perfect. I will make sure they are in the show notes. Thank you very much. Uh, Elizabeth, I feel like I need to now just have an hour of doing nothing so I can Beautiful. process, decompress, journal uh, yeah. about <laughs> the things that have come up for me in our conversation about self sabotage. Um yeah, thank you. What a rich yeah. conversation.
1: I'm very, I'm very happy. I,
0: I can see your emotional state. <laughs> Literally, I'm just like, what? Wow, how, when? Oh my goodness. I'm going to phone okay. my friends afterwards and say, we need to have a meeting. I've got some things that I need to say to you guys.
1: And also on my side, I thank you very much for your trust and feel free to be in touch anytime, any really time. Thank you. Uh, my my happiness today at 50, almost six is to share what I was blessed with. And now I'm getting emotional myself. I can see. And all the skill that I was uh, given and uh, the, the fortunate I was to be able to travel all the world and learn from many other masters and teachers and guides. And now
0: being able to share this with the world. Oh, Elizabeth, you're going to start me off. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much to you. Thank you for listening to the 360 podcast. We can continue the conversation on social media using the hashtags Live360 and Everyday Joy. I hope to see you on my social media channel. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and share this podcast wherever you're listening. 360 Conversations is produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. I look forward to engaging with you next time.